It was close, but the Pokes moved ahead at the end of the third quarter for good, defeating Texas Tech this week, 41-31, moving 5-0 on the season. Great game. Welcome to the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson, joined once again by Eve Batoba and Justin Southwell. Guys, initial thoughts on the game. How are you feeling? How are you feeling going into this week? All right, first and foremost, hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody whose college football programs are undefeated on this beautiful Thursday or whenever you're listening, right? Because, uh, man, the Pokes are still undefeated. And I got to say, I was so impressed by the way that they were able to rally, especially from the second half, or first half and the second half. And my goodness, did Spencer Sanders put the team on his back whenever they really needed him to? So I said, hey, somebody got to give him an NIL deal to like massage envy or something so he can massage that back after after all that lifting that he did. But no, nah, it was beautiful. A ton of great things that uh, that we get to highlight today. But ah, I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I say give him an NIL deal with Serta mattresses because <laughs> people are sleeping on the Cowboys and I don't understand why. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, man. I think, um, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me was just how well, uh, it's always interesting, right? People talk about second half adjustments, but these adjustments take place in the first quarter and in the second quarter, because after every single series, the coaches get a printout of all the different looks that they saw, right? So props to, what is it, the analytics staff, the quality control coaches, as well as all the different coaches that were actually able to go into halftime, figure out exactly what to implement because whenever they came out in the second half, Texas Tech's team was only able to score seven points. And uh, after that first quarter, hey, let me tell you something, by the way, that quarterback, whenever he came out, I said, oh, no, you know, it, it looked like a repeat of what Oklahoma State had done in the past where the backup QBs just going to have a field day against our defense. But that guy looked like Patrick Mahomes, especially in those first couple of series. And things could have gotten really bad starting out. But thank goodness for uh, some things that actually went our way because yeah, that guy is going to be good for years to come. I believe it. Yeah. And that Definitely. first and half. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Justin. Go, sorry, no, I was going to say like Gundy was talking about, you know, what year is this guy? And yeah. they told him yeah. he's a freshman. He's like, well, that's going to be a problem, which kind of <laughs> defeats the purposes of his theory that you have to get a 15 game, you know, uh, adjustment to the NCAA as far as, you know, being able to stand out. But He's already ahead of the curve, so yeah, it's going to be a problem. Apparently, he's like their highest-rated quarterback recruit ever, right? I saw a tweet by Des Bryant saying, "Man, Texas Tech has a future yep. first-round QB on there," and I was like, "Are we, are we being a little hyperbolic here?" Or, but you know what? And he looked like it, and and that was impressive. And the fact that we were able to contain him as the game went on, uh, I, I think that says good things about us. And Texas Tech, I mean, their first year with Joey McGuire. Joey McGuire, he's proven to be an aggressive coach. I think he makes ballsy play calls and kind of just going all in, which, you know, not my team. So I respect it because it's like, well, that could help. That could help the pokes if you mess up on a fourth down or, you know, a crazy play call. But I mean, do you think Texas Tech with this quarterback, with this coach could be a threat in the near future in the Big 12? Definitely. And like, if you're going to start off that aggressive and play that way, that's going to be exciting if you're a Texas Tech fan because you're just you're not holding anything back. And, you know, I was I was a little bit, you know, back on my heels whenever they tried that onside kick. And and luckily we got the fair catch call and uh, it kind of shifted things. But if you, you know, they started off strong. And, no, there was uh, way there was way too much action. 14, 
I looked away for like two seconds and I was like, was that an onside kick? What is happening right now? But then we score literally 30 seconds later. So it's like, okay, all is right. Well, if you look away, it's okay because you know, the refs (laughs) are going to review it. So it's okay. (laughs) Which, you know, that, that first, I don't sit in time games, but like I was, I was at the game and I'm watching and I was like, how is it only 12 minutes in? And it feel it's been 30 minutes and yeah. no, 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 no. There's, there's 12 minutes left in the first quarter. So we're three minutes in and it's been 30 minutes. So it was first two quarters. The first half took like two hours. What was the deal with all those reviews? Why were they so necessary or unnecessary? I'll tell you, there's a, um, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory or what, but we got it. The reps got it out against us. There's something about big 12 reps specifically, right? That's why the Twitter account exists and all that. Like big 12 reps. I don't know if they just hate the color orange or what it is, but uh, that was honestly probably one of the worst officiated games that I've ever watched. But as I actually thought about it, as I calmed down a little bit, you realize that, and I've talked to you about this before, Justin, like bad calls are a part of the game, unfortunately, unfortunately, right? Like bad officiating is a part of football. What you always want to do is to make it to where you're so good that it doesn't have a huge impact on the outcome of the game. But man, it's tough whenever you have to play against the team and against the referees out on that field. But did we get away with a fumble? Was that was that a thing? Everyone's like, snap uh, it, snap it. I don't know what you're talking about, Megan. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. On, on the subject of questionable officiating, there was the targeting penalty on Kendall Daniels. Everyone on the broadcast said textbook targeting. He lowered his head. Does that rule need to be changed for plays like that? Definitely, uh, for sure. And I kind of went a, l- a little bit on a Twitter rant about it because like that is there. there needs to be levels to targeting, right? Because if you look at the play where the guy got tossed out, for the dirty hit on the OU quarterback, I'm talking about the TCU guy. He got kicked out of the game. That's probably what needs to be. Ha- that needs to happen. What Kendall Daniels did, that was like, I mean, he he, he lowered his head. Sure, textbook targeting. I'm not arguing that at all. 15 yard penalty, automatic first down. But what he did was not malicious. He didn't launch his body at the quarterback. And I'm like, the punishment doesn't fit the crime at all. If he lowered, okay. if he didn't lower his head, their heads would have collided. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's really just a matter of height, right? Like Kendall was taller than the quarterback, and that's what ended up happening. Now, with that being said, I think it was the right call. I mean, the punishment doesn't fit the crime, of course, but I think it was about eight years ago whenever there was this big outrage when everybody was coming against, whether it was college football, the NCAA, the Big 12, the NFL, because they didn't care about player safety. And I remember I had the privilege of sitting on one of those committees when uh, the board of advisors for um, you know all the different player wellness initiatives that are about to take place uh, were being discussed. And in fact, the, the chairman of that board of advisors was former OSU president Burns Hargis, who went and implemented all these things. But I think it is so important that those player safety regulations do, you know, I think they have to be emphasized. They have to be emphasized during the game. You want to, especially the conference, right? I think in 2015, there was actually a class action suit that was filed against the NCAA as well as a big 12 conference about player safety and concussions. So I understand why, right? It should exist, but suspending the guy for the next game, the next half, I mean, what are we talking about? Like that's, that's a little too far um, the way I see it. But yeah, that, that penalty definitely should have been called. And uh, I'm not even so mad about him being expelled for the rest of the game. 
but the next game is just yeah, that's too much. But I mean, I, it's so hard because it is textbook. He he lowered his head. It is what it is. But you know, to Justin's point, where do you draw the line? And even watching the NFL this weekend, they were almost overcompensating with several awful roughing the passer calls. And I know that they're two different levels, but player safety is still at the forefront of both college and professional football. And it's that, you know, it kind of hurts the game and tarnishes the game because it's a rough sport. I mean, I've never played, but it's a rough sport. People are going to get hurt. It's part of the game. But when you make those bad penalty calls, it, it takes away from what makes the game, what it is. So I, I'm not an official. I'm glad I'm not an official. And I, I don't know how you handle that, but I, I like Justin's idea of tears. <laughs> yeah. And it's a weird dynamic because I actually retweeted something where Josh Jacobs, you know, he's picking up speed as he's putting his head down and running over a safety. Is that roughing the tackler at that point? Because it's way worse than what Daniels did on Saturday. And, uh, you know, he just, Pick it up and go to the next play. For, man, you for know, guy. you already know what that's about, man. Like whenever they came out with the helmet to helmet call, the whole like unnecessary roughness thing, it was never for the offensive players. They're never going to call that an offensive players, even though running backs are the ones who make the most contact. Whenever, In fact, they're the ones that initiate the contact more often than none. But, you know, that's always going to be against a defensive guy. That's just the sport that we live in. They make it hard for the DBs and the linebackers. And of course, the offensive players, whatever, you know, they just suck up to y'all. <laughs> Eve, I feel for you because I was also a defensive player in every sport that I played. And defense you feel always me? gets the blame. They never get the love. But defense wins championships. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, look, it's tough. It's tough out here for our defenders, but we got to stick together, you know? <laughs> I, I, I got you. And on the subject of defense... Our defense, it was a tale of two halves. Eve, you talked a little bit about adjustments being made in all four quarters and that we only allowed seven points in the second half. In the first half, we gave up 347 yards and 24 points. Second half, only 180 yards and seven points. But our secondary kind of got torched. Uh, 379 receiving yards for Texas Tech. What do we need to work on this week to prepare for the TCU offense? Yeah, I thought what was so interesting is to actually see how in the second half we became a lot more aggressive. I thought that in the first half that there were, honestly, the Texas Tech offense was just taking what the defense was giving them until we actually started playing. I think the receivers uh, were used to having a cushion of about seven yards off the line by the DBs, especially on the cornerback position. And then in the second half, they came in four yards off the line. Uh, as well as that star safety position became a lot more aggressive as we started to see. So I don't know if it's because they just didn't have enough film on that quarterback as they were coming into the game because they adjusted so well afterwards. But I will say TCU's offense, honestly, is one of the most efficient offenses in the entire country right now, right? I think they're second in efficiency behind Ohio State only. And what's so interesting about TCU's offense is Whenever you look at last year compared to this year, they're taking a lot less attempts on 50 yards plus down the field, but 
they're a lot more efficient in their completion percentage, right? I think in 2021, they were completion completing 41% of those passes that were 15 plus yards down the field. And now it's 67% of those passes. So Max Dugan is doing an incredible job. But I think one of the things to even point out is it's not just a matter of, oh, they have all these great athletes or the uh, the defense is playing so soft, but God, their, their timing is so good. Like their up-tempo and their route concepts is incredible. And they're extremely aggressive. Right. As as a as an office, I think coach uh, the inside receivers coach is, is big Meech, who used to be at Oklahoma State. So I think he gets a lot of that from uh, old Mike Gundy's playbook. But I will say, like, in order to slow them down, it's going to take a lot of that same type of play, uh, the same type of the level of play that we saw from Trace Ford in the defensive line. Like whenever he was out there and he was able to blow up that uh, that that play that he blew up, where we pretty much took on three guys and put them down in the backfield. That's the type of stuff that's going to be disruptive. and. Honestly, it's not going to be so much about, hey, preventing that big play from happening, but it's about, hey, how do we take away those quick checkdowns? Because TCU is also really, really good uh, against the blitz, right? Against the blitz is where they're really shining right now. So it's a matter of, hey, let's make sure that we're not giving up uh, those little cookie plays either. We'll get more into into TCU and that matchup in just a bit. But turning to our offense, you mentioned Spencer Sanders carrying the team on his back. But I also need to give a shout out to Bryson Green. He had a breakout game this week, career game, 115 yards, five catches, one touchdown, first 100-yard game of his career. But I was looking at the team statistics, and Braden Johnson leads the team with 360 yards, three touchdowns. Brandon Presley, 314 yards in the season, one touchdown. Bryson Green, 284 yards, four touchdowns. (laughs) So it's a very tight race. Justin, is OSU wide receiver you? No question. You already know. I mean, I already knew. The thing is, what we typically see is one of those receivers just completely rise above all the others. So we see like Des Bryant, Justin Blackman, James Washington took over, Tylen Wallace. But if you look at the depth on those teams, all of those receivers are really, really good. Yeah. And what we're seeing, I think, is here, it's it's a little bit different. And I think maybe you got to give credit to Spencer for being able to spread the ball around. Give credit to Coach Dunn for opening up the offense to where you get those guys the ball. But yeah, I mean, we are wide receiver you. I think the world will recognize it whenever these guys have success in the next level. But we're seeing it with Coach Dunn bringing these guys in. Wide receivers want to come to Oklahoma State. I think, I, I mean, I going into the season, it's like, who's going to step up for Tay? And I think it's awesome to see that a lot of guys have stepped up for Tay and it keeps, keeps the other defense guessing. Also, shout out to kicker Tanner Brown, Big 12 special teams player of the week, four for four on field goal attempts. So you guys talked about last week wanting us to get back to being one of the top special teams in the country. And we're getting some honors back to back weeks of special teams player of the week. So go special teams. You know, Come on, special it. teams. You love to see it. <laughs> hey, quick story. My favorite story about kickers. I remember not just kickers, but specialists in general, right? We had a guy, uh, one of our long snappers back when we played there was Connor Cinco. And Tuesday is the hardest day of practice, right? We used to call it Bloody Tuesdays. And he said that whenever the team would go on the other field to actually practice hard, the specialists would stay back and they would lay out a mat and they called it Des Bryant Catch Day. 
We're like, well, that's right, catch that. What does that mean? Just say, oh, yeah, we would just like jump on the mat and see how many ridiculous catches that we can make as we would lay out and just land on this mat. So one-handed catches, behind-the-back catches. I'm like, yo, what are y'all doing out there? Like, But, you know, our specialists were always good. So anytime I see an Oklahoma State kicker, I always think about Des Bryant catch day, and I think to myself, hey, you have no choice but to be special teams player of the week because you got all that time. So you, you better go for for four. Shout out to Tanner. Good for you. Keep it up, Tanner. You're going to make a lot of money someday in the NFL if you keep that up. <laughs> kickers are hunt- Good kickers are hard to come by these days. So, yes, yes. Hold, hold on to them when you've got a good one. Moving on quickly to around the Big 12. I think the shock for me of the weekend was Texas's shutout of Oklahoma in the Red River Showdown, 49 to nothing. OU is flailing. They lost back-to-back games by more than 30 points for the first time in program history. I know it's Venable's first year. You got to give us a bit of a grace period, but guys, how much of a grace period do you give a new coach when a program who was always in the top 10, if not top five is struggling this much? You know, it's hard to tell in the age of social media because you got guys thinking that he's going to go out and win a national championship in his first three to five years. And if the decision makers are feeling the pressure. Maybe it's a shorter leash, but in all honesty, I think you probably have to give him at least through this year. I think he could he could lose out this year, and uh, I think they would understand. Like we got to bring in these guys, and you know we'll see if he bounces back. Um, but yeah, I can see it. You know, if it doesn't work out the year after that, you know maybe start looking around at some of these other coaches out there and uh, send him on his way. I don't know, back to Clemson or whatever. I hope he loses out this year. That'd be great. I would I would absolutely love that. But, I mean, look, I'm going to echo what Justin said. You have to give somebody a great spirit, right? I think we live in a microwave society where so people are so quick to fire somebody whenever they're not immediately showing the results. But, you know, give him some time. He'll be all right. A lot of people also left when Lincoln Riley left. So it's like the, the draft class wasn't necessarily the same as when Lincoln was there. And there was just a lot of discord at Oklahoma. So... You know, obviously, I would also love for them to to lose out, but that's neither here nor there. As a person, it's a business. I get it. But Venables yeah. is still a person. And like, you know, I had my 90 day period at Oklahoma State. So like yeah. coaches should get more than 90 days because technically they perform one yeah. Sunday a week or one Saturday a week, excuse me, for 13 weeks. So it's like give give this man time. But I feel like the, the mob in Norman is going to is going to come for him. Uh, but Quinn Ewers made his return after being knocked out week two versus Bama. And he was looking pretty good. Um, Bijan Robinson also shredded OU defense the last two years, 267 yards and three touchdowns in both years combined this year. It was 130 yards, two touchdowns. We face Texas in two weeks. So we can get more into them next week on our, our big homecoming show. But guys, dare I ask is Texas back? Back to what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I Texas, love that question. Texas, Texas is back to where they've been, I guess. Yeah, I, I will say, look, B. John Robinson, in my opinion, is the best running back in the nation. Quinn Ewers is playing like a dog every time I've seen him. But um, Quinn Ewers was in Alabama. They would have won that game. I, I, I think that if he wasn't knocked out, I think they would have beat Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I can't even argue against that, right? Like he, he was playing that well. But with that being said. I like our chances because I think over the past, what is it, Justin? It's like over the past eight years, nobody has beaten Texas more than Oklahoma State has. So 
think we're good. I'll take that. I do think we need to cheer for a Texas win this week because I think that them, us winning and Texas winning and playing a ranked Texas will help us in the grand scheme of things once yeah. the college football playoff uh, rankings start coming out. So that's and then TCU, we're facing them. But before we get into our game, they handed Kansas their first loss. Although Kansas stayed unmoved in the polls, they're at 19, but they didn't just lose a the game. They lost quarterback Jalen Daniels. He was replaced by Jason Bean, who threw for 262 yards, four touchdowns. Are you guys any more believers in Kansas or does this Jalen Daniels? I mean, even though last week you're like, who, who is that? But they hung in there with TCU. No, I mean, yeah, go ahead, Justin. Well, we kind of joked like, you know, I don't know who Jalen Daniels is, but I mean, he was getting Heisman hype, right? And he went out, the backup quarterback came in and really didn't miss a beat and gave them a chance to win that game. And, uh, you know, that makes me believe a little bit more in Kansas than I did before with TCU being their first real test. And at this point in the season, I would say that, you know, they, they still, it's, it's still really kind of early for me to say, uh, you know, I'm a believer in Kansas, but they have a chance to become bowl eligible this week uh, if they beat OU. Um, but honestly, you know, Looking at the rest of their schedule, I'm just kind of thinking, I don't know if they're going to get one more. That's fair. And again, I will go back to I'll echo what I just said about Texas. We got to cheer for Kansas this week because we play them in a few weeks. And a ranked Kansas looks a lot better on our resume than an unranked Kansas. But again, That's right. TCU handing Kansas their first loss. We face them this week heading down to Fort Worth. Fort Worth. The only unbeaten teams left in the Big 12. Now, guys, last year... We demolished them 63-17. It was the Barry Sanders blackout game. Absolutely epic if you were there. Just the vibes in the stadium were immaculate. The blackout, just everything went right. How much do you think last year's score will motivate TCU this year? Justin, we'll start with you. I guess a little bit. You know, you got to look back at it. I know that every year is different, and I don't necessarily know that Oklahoma State is on their minds is like oh, we got to get a revenge against these guys but i will say oklahoma state has kind of struggled in fort worth and you know that gives me a little bit of pause um but other than that i mean every game you know people people look at the players will look at it one week at a time they'll see it's oklahoma state and they're still gonna they're gonna play their best that they can. And I don't think they're going to like lay down because it's Oklahoma state. I don't think they're going to rise up to play an elite level against Oklahoma state. I think they're just going to do their best and we're going to give our best. And I honestly think our best is better than their best. Yo, I disagree, man. I think that they are going to be extra fired up this week because they are playing an undefeated Oklahoma State Cowboys football team. Let me tell you, they have a strength and conditioning coach who's also from my motherland, right? He's from my country in Congo. I think that automatically gives somebody an extra just a oomph, right? Like them Congolese boy ain't nothing to play with, all right? Just letting y'all know. But what Sonny Dykes has done there, what the entire staff has done there, I mean, you can't really overlook that. The way... Uh, the efficiency that they've been playing with, honestly, has been remarkable. And from that standpoint alone, man, our defense has got to be under P's and Q's. I don't think you can – you can't really afford uh, waiting to the second half to get it together. Like, you have to come out 
firing, swinging, blitzing, all that. So uh, hopefully it's one of those games. But I will say, just like I said last week, take the over. <laughs> take the over. You, you mentioned their offenses firing on all cylinders, Eve. Max Duggan, he had 308 yards, four total touchdowns versus Kansas. He was averaging nearly 10 yards per pass attempt, which is essentially a first down per pass attempt. And on the season, 1,305 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, and only one interception. So we've talked about how Oklahoma State also has a very talented receiving room. But Eve, you are a defensive back, so you know what it's like to go against talented receivers. How does having a talented receiver room help our secondary prepare for an offense like TCU's? Oh, it's everything, right? I think, um, one, it's not just about getting the good looks, um, but it's also making sure that you have the appropriate depth so that the special, or sorry, so that the scout team, the scout team has to be able to give you constant good looks at practice, right? Whenever you're actually preparing for another team, you're not going against the first screen guys. So it always helps whenever you have that depth that you can actually uh, practice against. But I think the second thing too is, hey, because our team is so used to playing at the same tempo that TCU's offense is playing in, that you know the condition his own point right which coach glass is already going to take care of that anyway but it's not something that's going to catch you off guard right it's not something that's really going to get you by surprise because you're used to that type of or that level of offense because you played against that the entire offseason so um, that alone i think gives us a bit of an edge but with that being said tcu's been playing against that temple of offense too right uh, or practicing against that temple of offense i should say so that's the big 12 for you you just you can expect speed and you can expect a lot of uh air yards Justin, Speed for sure. Yes. Uh, Darius Davis, watch out for him. Number 11. Oh, yeah. TCU squad. So he's a fifth year senior and saw some highlights. The dude is like, I don't want to say Tyreek fast, but he is like, he's up there. And uh, I know they like to get him the ball on quick screens and reverses and things like that. So defense has to keep their eyes on him, contain him. And uh, I think if we can do that. We'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. Going back to special teams and another special team shout out. Um, I thought this was awesome. Tom Hutton has downed 58% of his 24 punts inside the opponent's 20 yard line. He is the wow. second best in FBS. That's that stat to me is just incredibly impressive. They've played very big roles in the last couple of games. Guys, what role do you think that special teams will have in this matchup on Saturday? Yeah, I think especially in a game where you have a feeling that it's going to be high scoring, the difference is going to be in special teams, right? Like the kicking game, if you can get an extra possession, if you can get some points scored because of, uh, you know, a, a turnover during a punt or something like that, or a muffed kick, right? Like those are the type of things or the game changing plays that make all the difference. So hoping for that. But I think especially whenever you can actually pin them against their own end zone, right, because of people like Tom Hutton, uh, that just makes it a lot more difficult for that team to actually come down against your defense. So, man, fingers crossed. Hopefully we can get a lot more of those. I got to say, though, TCU had a 99-yard drive against Kansas last week. So even though they were backed up, Kansas's defense wasn't able to shut them down. Yeah, we ain't. We They're ain't not Kansas. Oklahoma State's defense. Right. Exactly, that's what I'm right. Hey. So that's why, that's why I'm not worried about this week. I'm just That's bringing exactly it to why. your attention. They had a 99-yard drive. So defense, bring your A game is what you're yeah. saying. Hey, by the way, speaking of our defense, Jabbar Muhammad, the cornerback number seven, I really like this guy. Like 
I don't think the stats are going to reflect it, but the way that he was able to disrupt what Texas Tech's offense did last week, I'm hoping for more of the same this week because that dude is locked down. And I think that as the season carries along, as he's uh, able to read defense or offenses a lot better, we're only going to see the best of him. Before we get to game picks, guys, this came out the other day that uh, Mike Gundy admitted in his media availability that he actually interviewed with the Bucks three times after the 2011 season, but the job ultimately went to Greg Schiano. I feel like that news was kind of shocking. What were your reactions <laughs> when you saw that? Justin, you laugh. Yeah, you go I mean, first. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a little bit shocked whenever he said it. I know that it, it came on. The context was, you know, really good college coach and Matt rule went to the NFL and it didn't pan out. So, uh, you know, what about the other great college coaches? How do you think they're going to urban Meyer is probably another example, right? So how would Mike Gundy do as an NFL coach? And, you know, I got to think around that time, he probably would have brought Munkin with him as an OC. And, uh, I think that one thing that Gundy has gotten a lot of positive recognition for is his ability to be a CEO of an organization. Yeah. And I think that that probably would translate pretty well into the NFL. But all that being said, I am so glad that he stayed at Oklahoma state because he's just taken what is the last 10 years even. Uh, yeah. It's just, I love the guy. Just stay here forever, please. You well, know, you what's left interesting. after 2011, right? Justin? <laughs> <laughs> Facts. But I'm still part of the program. <laughs> Just I'm here forever. You know, I'm not leaving. I'm not going to go to Tampa Bay anytime soon. As much as I love Tom Brady, I'm not picking up and moving my family across the country because I love Oklahoma State so much. I did. I left. I went to I went to the Miami Dolphins. But I will say though, it it's such a different game. Like the it's actually coaches believe that the NFL is a much easier schedule, right? It's it's not as taxing because you don't have to worry about recruiting. You don't have to play politics with the donors and all the different boosters and everybody like that. And you can just show up and be a coach. And I think that Gundy really does a great job of what Justin just mentioned, of just being a CEO of a program. How often do you actually see a college coach go to the NFL and find success, right? It's happened, what, you got John Harbaugh and Pete Carroll, right? I mean, that's the only two examples that I can actually think of. But it would have been difficult. But Gundy has done such a great job of actually cultivating and building a brand at Oklahoma State. And, you know, as he said, after we beat Notre Dame, he said, we have a logo, too. And he's a huge part of that. Like the reason why we have a logo right now is because of Coach Gundy. And uh, definitely glad that he stayed. I don't know how it would have fared out for him, but it's very, very rare that you actually see that uh, working out. I remember when I had uh, Rashawn Woods on the show, I was like, I didn't ask this to him, but I was doing research leading up to it. And I was like, who was the coach before Gundy? And you don't even think about it because I mean, as an outsider, I'm here now, but I was, well, yes, I learned it was less miles, but <laughs> I, 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 I learned that very quickly with the Google, Google search. But before that, I was like, I don't know, you know, Gundy is this program and he's, you know, he's been around for a, a very, very long time almost 19 years right i'm i remember whenever there was all these conversations about him potentially leaving for the arkansas job and he told us in the locker room he told us in the team meeting room he said if i were to leave i will tell y'all first so whatever you hear out there just don't believe it and i remember everybody was freaking out about gundy potentially leaving and none of the players were freaking out because he told us <laughs> so we were just like yeah he ain't leaving so it's also it's always reassuring whenever he can actually um just articulate that to the players before everybody else. So that, uh, that almost leaves just some reassurance that uh, he'll be all right. 
Yeah, I remember that I, I, I will not name the coach, but it was a college coach and I did a story on him and he was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm at this program forever. And then, you know, fast, they have a very successful season and two months pass by and a bigger school calls and he up and leaves. So it's like I feel like the reassurance is good, but money talks and programs talk. So yeah. it's like you want to believe the best. And I believed that coach whole, wholeheartedly. And it, I just I don't think he thought he'd be presented with that situation. And uh, he took it and and he's still there. So uh, but I will I will not name names. So guys, it is time for game picks picks with picks. He went with TCU. He mm. went with TCU. All right, bitch. I mean, I I don't want to say I agree with him, but I think this is one of those games where I'm 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 on alert. You know, I, I, I this is to me, I'm a little bit more nervous going into this. I think the Cowboys will pull out the victory, but I'm not sure we're gonna get another double digit win. <laughs> and at this point, I mean, Bix, he's young, he's still gonna he's learning. <laughs> All right. But at this point, I'm going to start worrying whenever Bix picks Oklahoma State, because as of right now, <laughs> we're looking pretty good. Uh, I would say this is, gosh, it's hard to, it's hard to say like TCU has like their, their biggest competition so far was Kansas, I guess. If you can like compare to OU, like we're giving them a lot of credit for beating teams like Colorado and SMU. And OU, it turns out that win's not that great. They barely <laughs> beat Kansas. So I don't really know what to expect other than, you know, they're they're okay. They're a good team. And the stats line up. Everything looks like, on paper, very evenly matched teams. But for me, I still just see Oklahoma State winning. Uh, I'll still even say by double digits. I'll go something like 44 to 31. I'll take the over, like Eve said. But I'm not as worried about it as you, Megan. <laughs> High scoring game, 38 to 44. Oklahoma State wins it. That's how I got it planned out. Right. And and really quickly before we before we end, Justin, I saw a tweet about the uniforms and hope hopefully for grays this weekend because we have a very high win percentage in our grays. We do. We do. We absolutely do. I know some fans hate it, um, but the fact of the matter is we've been winning. So, you know, keep wearing them. I think it's like 82% win percentage, um, which is probably higher than all the others, but we've worn it a lot less granted, but uh, you know, they've never worn gray against TCU, believe it or not. Well, hopefully we can break out the grays this weekend. We'll stay tuned for that. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the believe in OK state podcast, Megan Robinson, Eve Vitoba, Justin Southwell, New episodes every Thursday. Thanks for listening. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.